Before we get to the show, I wanted to say thank you for supporting, downloading, and streaming The Church in Fix. I know that when I originally kicked off this podcast, I did not think that anyone was going to listen to it at all. I've listened to every episode you've put out. So one of the biggest things um, that I think is a disconnect between, uh, I can't speak for my generation, but for me uh, and, and any elder, is the belief that prayer works. You know, while I've done a lot of bad things in my life, you know, God, if you're if you're real, you know, I I pray that you forgive me. So welcome. Today we're going to talk about the call of the church planter, and I'm really excited about our special guest today. I met Chris about, I'd say about four and a half years ago, and it was actually at a youth conference that was taking place at our church, and I'd never met him before, but we both have a mutual friend, and uh, I was told, man, you got to meet Chris, and uh, we stood out in the hallway for a little while and talked, and I was like, wow, he has some amazing ideas about not only church planting, but also just the ministry in general. So we're gonna have just an organic conversation. We have a few questions to ask him. I wanna see where this goes, but I want this at the end of the day to actually be something that's helpful for this generation because I think these questions, especially with young ministers, Chris, continue to come up. How do I get involved in my local church? How do I change things in my local communities and things like that? And I think that there's this, this learning experience that everybody seems to go through and, and we have guys like you that are well-connected, but people that aren't local in our community, and I know our, our circle of friends, they don't have access to people like you that have. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. Last time, my guest was Chris Prince, who is a expert church planter, in my opinion. Not an expert. <laughs> and uh, so... If you want to catch the past episode, go back and, and watch it. I don't want to spend our time rehashing everything that we talked about, but this is going to be part two, and this is where I feel like the meat of the episode is. But before we talk about that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast, Chris, because I think it's something that a lot of people are going to be interested in. Absolutely. So my my <laughs> podcast is called Clickbait Church, and you can find it at clickbaitchurch.com or any of the, the different uh, websites that you go to. The idea is, you know those really old traditional churches that have church signs? And it's like funny stuff on the church signs. Like, I can't even think of one I've got now. a bunch of screenshots of them. Yeah, They're exactly. Hilarious. Those. Yes. Um, the modern day version of that are these crazy Christian people on Facebook that post titles that make you go insane. That like the world is ending. And it's clickbait. And they believe like the Babylon Bee articles are real. Yeah, exactly. My mom did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the water slide one. Do you remember yeah, that? The water slide baptism. My mom called church. me. She's like, this church put a water slide in. And I'm like, mom, Which let's be fake. honest. That sounds awesome. <laughs> we ought to do that. I mean, like as you go by, they just touch your head as you go underwater and let's say in Jesus' name. Let's plan a church and do it. I like this idea. <laughs> uh, but so anyway, so that that is like those clickbaity things. I think it's so funny to talk about it. And so in today's culture... Um, I want to talk about clickbaity topics and talk about culture, church culture, church planning. And you know what? I like sneakers. I like Tesla. You do. I want to like talk I about my first like pair off his recommendation. That's true. Ultra boost all the way. Yes. And 
so I wanted to just have a way to talk about that. And, and one way I found was let's start a podcast and let's just have fun with it. And so definitely check it out. Clickbaitchurch.com. And we mentioned last episode about, um, some resources that I've, I have from getting ready Who's to start. It. Really? You can do that to me. I am. <laughs> but go ahead. So, so last time we talked about, uh, some resources that I had for church planning. And so if you want to find that, you can go to, uh, clickbaitchurch.com slash church planning. And on there, it's going to have a spot for a password and you can put in the password Frank Sinatra with a space in between it, no capitals, and you will be able to get access to all of these resources that I've accumulated over many, many years. I'm not saying it's amazing or that it's expert or anything, but it's a lot of stuff. And if you want it, you're welcome to have access to it. That's awesome. I appreciate that. And again, I want to thank you for being this guest, this guest that doesn't sound right, but it's funny. I love it. But, but I want to thank you, Chris, because I, I know that, um, and I'm not trying to get all sappy. He knows me well enough that I, that knows that I can get that way. Yeah. It's okay. I love uh, you too. I, yeah, I know. I know. I know. But I, I remember, um, we, we have a mutual friend named Luke. I won't say his last name cause I don't have permission to use him on a podcast yet, <laughs> but, but we have this mutual friend and he was like, you guys got to connect. And I remember the first time that we, we talked and everything and I walked away and I was like, I told my wife, I was like, this young man, because he's so young. I am. Uh, yeah. I, I was like, I was like, he has these, these great ideas and he has this passion. And, and I would, and, and, and I was like, the church is in a great position, you know, because we hear all this stuff like all oh, the church is going away and all, yeah. but it's real clickbaity. It, it is right. But I was like, the passion and the purpose and, and the vision. And, and I was, and I, I told my wife, I was like, I'm all in, I'm all in. What do I have to do to get involved in this? What do I got to do to support this? And, and, and I was really excited. And then not only that, but to live in a neighboring city. And I remember when you did end up moving to Plano and then there was a period of time that you were um, attending our church while you were getting ready to launch your church and everything. And, and I thought that was awesome too. I remember you played the guitar like one day and, and my son, my oldest son's like your biggest fan and all that. And he's like, he's like, Pastor Chris was up there playing the guitar. And, and I was like, man, but he's got to go plant a church. Yeah. So, so tell us about that. So, so you were, you were at the life church and, and you were getting ready to go launch your church. Yeah. So when we, um, there's kind of a cool story with that pastor Shay, the, the pastor of the life church, we met years before, um, when he first moved to Dallas to take that church, we met at a youth event and he was asking me kind of what my deal was. And I was like, well, I'm about to move to Fort Worth to be a youth pastor, but I want to start a church in Plano one day. And I remember then he told me, uh, you know, well, let me know when you do, because I love Plano. It needs a church. Uh, you know, when you are ready to do that, let me know and I'll see if I can support you. And so when we moved to Plano and got ready to, you know, plan the church, I called him up and said, you know, Hey, we want to come to your church in kind of the meantime. And, but I want to talk to you about that. And he goes, I remember that conversation. Let's do it. And so he really became like my quickest, biggest fan. And because of that, uh, you know, the life church helped support us when we were starting our church. And uh, I think it's so cool to like how that story ended up in, in the long run. And we got out, um, and so out to Plano in July, started coming to the Life Church, and and we started in September. Um, we math's s- hard. Yeah, math is hard. I had to count four. Uh, in September, we started doing interest hangouts, and um, 
So we rented out a coffee shop in downtown Plano called 1418. If you're in Plano, go check it out. It's awesome. Uh, 1418 Coffee House. They are not a sponsor. Of this not podcast. a sponsor. Hashtag not a sponsor. And um, we rented it out for a Sunday because they weren't open at Sundays at the time and did like free coffee to anybody who showed up. And if they stayed, I would explain what we were doing with Anthem Church. And um, I met some some folks that way and started building a team of people, of local Plano people that knew Plano and new friends and new family there, uh, but they just didn't know the kind of church I was trying to start. And so we would explain to them the vision of Anthem Church. And we did one a month for September, October, November, December. And uh, in January, we started having weekly team meetings on Sunday. And so that was when we stopped coming to the Life Church. It was a very sad day. Yeah, you cried. Your son did too. Pastor Chris is gone. Uh, And we... His son is like a teenager now, by the way. He, he wasn't actually crying. He's not like four. It's a joke. And he's he's in his phone as my favorite pastor. That's true. Because it really, I really am his favorite. Yes. Uh, so we started having weekly like team meetings, and we did a lot of like culture training and explaining what we wanted to do with the church, and really like dove into all of that. And we had uh, two practice services, which basically means we. It wasn't like you faked church. Like I got up and I preached a different sermon every time. Okay, hold on. So, so this is where I want to say. So, so here's what here's what I love about all this, right? Especially like in in our last episode, you were like you're like you know my parents and I we go to this town, we just like go try to start a church and everything, and and, and we're supposed to be believers, right? And we're yeah. supposed to believe in in this God that's intelligent and plans things out and yeah. does things the right way, but we don't do that. Yeah. And so your approach, although it's not the method that we traditionally see in church planning, yeah. which makes a lot of people uncomfortable. It did. It, it, right? <laughs> but if you look at the character and nature of God, yeah, the planning, someone that, I mean, when we look at like, like animals and, and plants and, and the design that has to go into that, he's a planner. Yeah. So you were actually, I mean, if you wanted to like really get technical, you were following a characteristic of God when you were getting ready to design the church body, yeah. right? Yeah. That's awesome. So you're doing the so you're doing these like launch or pre-planning type services. Yeah. So we did we did two practice services. The first one was um, we just showed up and set everything up that we had at the moment, and you know put it where it was supposed to go. Oh yeah. I don't think I mentioned it. we were portable. So we were in an elementary school, uh, in an elementary school gym actually. So we had to have a trailer with just a whole bunch of stuff in it. The chairs were taken care of for us, but everything else was on us. So we had to bring sound equipment and screens and projectors and everything that we wanted. So, so all the Bible college students need to hear work, work, work yeah. behind this, right? <laughs> not just Bible college. Everyone needs to know it is a lot of work. It is not easy. Yeah. It was, so let, let's say, for instance, um, we knew that we wanted our service to be one hour long, like give, it, give, it take, give or take 15 minutes. Really, it was about an hour 15 at the most was our goal for our service because our church was a church for unchurched people and unchurched people are not used to really long church services. So what do you consider like an unchurched person? Give me the definition because we might have a viewer that doesn't know sure. that term. I mean, just someone who doesn't go to church regularly. Okay. Um, in my community, 51% of people were religious, which means 49% are not at all. And out of that 51 that were religious, it was only like 14% were Christians that went to church. Mm. So there was this huge market of people to, to, to reach to and actually reach out to. And, um, 
so yeah, we did these, we did this portable church in an elementary school in Plano. And, um, we had to have everything like in a, in a, in a, uh, trailer and we would drive up and pull up to the back doors or whatever and, uh, open it up. We got there every morning at like, let's say 8 AM and service. No, it was seven, 7 AM and service was at 10. And then we had to be out by 1 PM. But that was what it took for us to take everything and set up, have a moment, like a 30 minute time frame before service started to have like everything in place and have like team meetings and prayer and stuff like that. And then we had an hour, hour 15 service and then we tore everything down and then we were leaving to go eat lunch and we were all like dead tired every so, single so, week. Oh, so this is why every time I'd call you on the weekend, you were taking a nap and I'd have to call you. Yeah, man. Chris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sunday naps were a requirement when we right. were doing that. It was insane. Cause I, cause I remember that I'd, I'd call you and be like, Hey y'all come over. And you're like, nah, I gotta take a nap. Yeah, man. It was, it was, it was real talk. Um, so I mean, on top of that, I was already like doing, I was running all the social media myself. If we were doing videos, I had to do all the editing and all the video, you know, everything. And like they, that. they were awesome videos too. Right. We put a lot, I put a lot of effort and time into those videos. Mm -hmm. uh, that was the main way that we did um, marketing. We did it on Facebook ads and we did a lot of marketing that and, way. And, and hold that thought because I know one of the questions that I have for you later is about social media versus the classical methods that okay. churches go. Yeah. 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 We can come back to that for sure. Yeah. So, um, we did, we did two preview services and, um, the second one was basically exactly like we, what we wanted next Sunday to go like. And so we launched on February 26, 2017. And, we had like nearly 60 people show up that were not our team members. And we had about 12 people on our team that we had just gotten from all over Plano that had joined us. And we showed up and had church and it was the most amazing experience I had ever felt in my life. Mm. Something that I had been dreaming of, had been thinking of, been praying about, had been researching for years. I mean, really seven years at that point came to fruition. And as I stepped on that, that stage and I led worship all by myself with an acoustic guitar. And then I turned around and preached right after that. And, um, then went out and like talked to the people that had came and visited. And I was like, just so excited. No, despite the fact that I'd been there since seven, despite the fact right. that I was up till one o'clock in the morning, the you night get before the energy from nowhere. Right? Yeah. That energy that we know it just, comes from God, but, but yeah, right. it was, it right. was crazy. And then we tore everything down. And I remember we took our whole team, um, or most of our team, I think went with us and we went eight at like on the border. And I remember sitting down at the table at on the border and they had like this, this one by where we were at, not a sponsor while we were, where we were they at, they do have the best chips though. Yeah. Chips and salsa best. Yes. And they had, they have the, the Coke that burns when it goes down. And mm. so we went out on the patio that was covered at this one in Plano. And I remember I just slouched into a chair, just ate like tons of chips and salsa, drank like 17 Cokes and like people are talking to me, like asking me how stuff's going. And I'm just like, I'm out of it because I was so exhausted and it finally hit me in that moment, but I had never been happier than in that, that moment. And so for the next year and a half, uh, we did that actually mm -hmm. for a year, we did it there at the elementary school. And about three weeks after our one year anniversary, we moved to a theater in downtown Plano and we were there for the remainder of our time as a church. And so it was, it was incredible. It was life changing. And despite the fact that in the end we had to shut it down, it was the best year and a half of my life. Mm. 
Right. Like by far there was nothing better than that year and a half when I got to pastor Anthem church because it, it was just that, that, that dream, that passion, that calling that I had had for so long finally came to pass and finally was happening. And I cannot explain just that the amount of gratitude, but also just like that, like godly success that you feel. I don't even know how to say that, but just mm-hmm. like that godly, that godly success that happened that it was just it, without him it never would have happened the way that it did, but it was just so worth it to feel it and know it in that moment that this is what God wanted all along. And it finally was happening. Right now. Now I remember not too long after, after you, you, you felt led in the spirit and you'd, you, you know, you sought counsel and everything to kind of put a hold on things. And, um, you came back to the life church, but planting churches has never changed as far as that being your heartbeat. And I know that you still talk about that. However, a little bit of a transition. I have seen personally firsthand and witnessed everything that you learned as a church planner. Yeah. Totally transform and impact so many lives at the life church and in the way that we look at church. So, um, without going into too much detail, because that's not really what, what our focus is, but you know, when you came to the life church after those experiences, you know, what was your goal from a ministry experience and, and, and what did you want to bring to the life church? Yeah. So it's really interesting because the way that we ended the church was, you know, it wasn't the, the best, the, it wasn't the way that we thought that it would go down for sure. Like, it, and that's a whole other story for a, a way further away in the future. But when we ended, we were pretty broken. We were, we were unsure of what to do next. And so we took a month where we didn't go to church. We just went and saw family and like slept in on Sundays. And then when we finally did come back to the life church, uh, I had a conversation with pastor Shay. I was like, we're just going to come. I don't know that we're going to get involved at all. I just don't know. But it was like five weeks later and I called him up and we went to lunch and I was like, all right, I lied. Like the, the, the passion can't die. Like I cannot let this passion die. And I feel because of how great our church is and the, the, um, the energy of the people and just the personalization that people have at our church. I was like, I, I, I it's, it's really given me this like second boost here. And I said, I know that we're going to start a church in Plano again in the future. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know when, where, but, um, until then I'm here, what do you want me to do? Mm. And I told him it was, you know, honestly what it was, I, I look back now and I laugh because I never realized it in the moment, but it was like a weird prodigal son moment. Not like that I had like left home and like per se, but I went to him and I remember telling him, look, if you need someone to preach, I'll preach. But like, also, if you just need an usher, I'll be an usher. If you just want somebody to take pictures, I'll be that guy. You want a Sunday school teacher? I'll do it. You tell me what you want me to do. I am looking for Sunday school teachers. I don't want to be a Sunday school teacher now. So it was really great because in that moment, just I was so church planning humbled me. And, and put me in this weird place where I was just like the prodigal son of saying, I will do mm. anything. I'll crawl back on my hands and knees. I just want to be used, but I, I don't know. And I don't care where. And he looked at me and said, I want you to take everything you learned from Anthem church and tell me how you would change the life church. I love it. And 
props to our pastor for that vision. But, but I did, I, I took the but, next, but doesn't he believe in young ministers? Oh, for sure, man. That's what's so great. I've about never it. seen anything like it. In my yeah, life. For I, sure. I mean, and, and, and as you know, I, I mean, I've served in multiple capacities throughout the <laughs> state of Texas myself, worked with a lot of different pastors and there is just something unique. My wife and I had a conversation not long ago about this. And I said, there are ministers all over the United States yeah. that wished that they lived sure. in Dallas yeah. just so that they could be involved in the leadership that, that we are privileged to serve under, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it was so cool because I was not expecting it, but he came to me and said, I want you to do, you know, take the next month and watch everything that we do and then tell us how we could do it better. Right. And so I brought a little notebook and I was writing I my notebook that. in service and I, I was, was like, what's he doing? Yeah, exactly. I was taking notes. I had pages and pages of notes and ideas of what we could do better. And so, uh, I did, I, we met and we started talking about what we should do. And he actually had gone to a church conference as well. And so we came back and we talked about some notes, some things that we had done in Anthem, what we could do here. And we came up with kind of like a little master plan of what we were going to have to do. And I came at the right spot and right time also, because um, we, our church is growing. And so we've been needing to go to two services for Easter for a while. And I knew that we were going to need to do that in, in the future as well. And I don't know exactly how to explain, but something about starting a church and also, um, doing it portable really put my mind in a place where it was like, if we're going to do two services, I know how to do that. And it's like, but Chris, you've never done that. It's like, well, no, it doesn't matter because what you're talking about is you're talking about organizing time or, and taking people that are being used in, in some places and using them better so that you get the best result out of two services. I said, I had to do that. I had to take 12 people and, and, and fill the positions of 25. We had to take a giant gymnasium and make it look like a church. You had to walk into our, into a school and feel like it was a church. So if I can do that, well, I think I'm pretty sure I can figure out how to do two services. And more than that, I think I can come up with some ideas to help us do a better job of reaching people and keeping people. And so we started talking and we started putting things in place. And so at the beginning of this year, 2019, we started, um, you know, we started like the new, like assimilation, if you will, for new members. And we started, um, a lot of different things regarding our teams and building teams out better. And all of those things were things that first off, did, not only did I do them in Anthem church, but I learned about them in 2012, 2013, way back when I was doing research for church planning. And, um, with all of that gave me time to talk to the churches and see how other churches are doing it. And, like I almost had become a broken record when we were talking because he would say, okay, well, what about this? And I could go and say, well, so-and-so church did it this way because of blank, but this church did it this way. And I think we align more with that. And I never realized how much of that I was picking up even at the time yeah. until I started spitting it out in those conversations. And I'm 30 years old and having these weird conversations with a guy who's done with a pastor who has way more experience than me and has done a lot more than me. But because of just these conversations and research and study, I realized I've got this, an interesting amount of research and, and, and experience that wasn't something I experienced it myself, but it's like, it's like that secondhand experience that I was able to use and, and, and help shape kind of the next step of what the life right. church was doing. Well, and you know, and, and it's funny cause I, I shared this with you. Um, I, I don't know, uh, six weeks ago, maybe that I was somewhere like hundreds of miles away and happened to run into somebody who's local to our area. And they were like, what are y'all doing? 
what what's going on? And my words was, you need to tag in with Chris Prince because this guy understands church planting. And the, and the guy that I ran into is getting ready to plant a church of yeah. all things. And again, it goes back to we need to be connected. We need to network. We need to work together because one of the, one of the things that I'm a broken record about is that God calls ministry. Not this location, this location, but ministry to work together, regardless of where we work. Absolutely. So I want to see everybody successful, yeah. regardless, because God has people everywhere that he's calling to salvation. Yeah. And so if I can plug in with somebody and give them something that's useful, or if they can give me something that's useful, that's beneficial. So this church planner and the fact that we met... And I was able to say, hey, you need to tag in. And I don't know if he ever has yet, but he should. If he hasn't, if he's watching this podcast, you need to do it. But, but still, that's, that's the benefit and the struggle that you talked about earlier was uh, the, the gentleman that reached out to me. He's been involved in like three church plants already, and he hasn't figured it out yet. Yeah. And so he's looking for opportunities. So we, we sometimes go through these things and we're like, oh man, it should have worked out different. I feel like I failed in this aspect or, or whatever. But we need to get t- together and talk about it and not be so, and I'm not saying that you were afraid, but not be afraid as general, like in sure. a general sense to say, hey, this is the challenge. This is what we were good at. This is what we were bad at. So we learn yeah. and we grow. Absolutely. Like the, the good thing about, Anthem churches, I can look back and, and, and now I'm at a place where sometimes I even joke about it, about being a failed youth or a a failed uh, church planner kind of as a joke. But for the most part, like a hundred percent of what we did was a success. And the way that we did it was exactly what I had envisioned and what I think God wanted us to do. Um, some situations that were out of our control is what in the end brought Anthem church down, if you will. And so I think that the way that we did it, the method, the, 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 the actions we put behind it, I think were a hundred percent right. And if someone said, would you do it again? If you knew it fail in a year and a half, I'd say, yeah, I, w- I would. Because again, it was the best year and a half of my life. And I don't think that it, in the sense of the methods and, and the, the, you know, perspectives that we had that it was wrong. And so, um, being able to take that though, and grow upon it and use it in other places actually is what has surprised me the most at how I've been able to use that here and with other people. How many, again, first time church planner here, how many different church planners I've been connected with now over the years um, to just talk about it, asking for advice. And it's, again, it's like, man, I've only done this once, but here's what I would do and here's why. And give examples and same thing, going back to this church did this, this church did that, blah, 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 and able to give them this info in a way that, makes me come across like an expert when really I just like to talk. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. No, so, so I, so I love it. And I think that that's a good ending point for that, but I do have two questions that, um, that, that I'd like to ask you, because again, I think that we're seeing, you know, a total paradigm shift in the way that the church reaches the world. Sure. Um, uh, we do it different than the apostles. Uh, now the message is the same, yeah. but what I mean is where they would have to write letters and send them off. And, and, you know, the apostle Paul, we talk about that right. when he was in prison and things like that. We have technology, we have so many resources and things like that. So, so now today we have social media. Now, now you literally have grown up with social media. Sure. I have not, 
I remember the introduction of social media where I, you know, I, I don't even think I got a Facebook account until like 2019, I mean like 2009 or, or something like yeah. that, because I was like, Oh, what's, what's this? You yeah. Know? Um, but I've seen the way you use it. I've seen the way other churches use it. I've seen the way that things can go viral and, and, and things and right. really affect the world. And so, um, what do you think the church should be doing in, in the realms of social media as opposed to, I'm not saying we stop any classical methods of reaching the world, right? Right. But, but what do you think maybe we could do better or how should we use social media as this platform to get out there and, and do something? Absolutely. So uh, I pulled up this quote from Ed Stetzer that I love and I'm kind of like taking it the way he's using it in, in a different way for social media. But he says, don't let your church be a cul-de-sac on the Great Commission Highway. So the way the old methods of outreach for churches and by old, I mean the ones that a lot of churches still even use uh, you've got like door knocking or door hangers or mailers or something like that. Those methods are not working anymore. They, their return rate. If you look at it from a perspective of like a business level, like return rate is so small. It is ridiculous. Just to give you an example, when we got ready to start our church, uh, they told us we could reach 100,000 homes within a five mile radius of our church, but it was gonna cost $13,000. And our return rate on that was uh, a quarter of 1%. So like if we got lucky, we should have 200 people show up just off that. We did way less. We did, I think like a few thousand, it was just neighborhoods right beside our, our school. Um, but what we did do is spend $500 or less on social media ads with videos and nearly every person that came, they came because of the video, not because of the thousands of dollars we spent on it, on those, those mailers. And the reason is because the, the, everyone is on Facebook, right? Everyone uses it's where we get news. Right? Yeah. It's where you get your news. It's where you get, it's where you're, you're, you're retweeting stuff on Twitter. You're sharing photos and stories on Instagram. Uh, if you're in business, you're using LinkedIn to find, you know, new jobs or to find new people to work with you. So it's like everybody is using social media all the time. So why not use the resources you have at your fingertips for such a small price? You can make a video and make it where you only are charged for how many times someone views the video in your area and spend $20, $30 and still see results. And I did that over the span of the entire time we did the church, we had roughly, we spent maybe a thousand dollars at the most over the span of a year and a half. And, uh, com combined, we probably had 125 people come directly from that. Wow. Well, and you know, I look at it from a resource management standpoint too, because in today's climate, people are looking at the way churches spend money, right? Right. Yeah, so sure, sure. churches should be responsible with funds. And you mentioned earlier, like 13 grand to send mailers out. Mm -hmm. And I know that every church mailer that I personally receive in my mailbox, I throw away. Right. I don't even look at them. I throw them right away. So stop sending them out. But, but I know that regardless of denominal lines or anything, I watch multiple things about churches through social media. Yeah. So if you were going to reach me, that would be the best thing for me. And, and I'm not even considered a millennial, you know, yeah. like, like your generation. And, and, and that would be my preferred method as well. Uh, another thing is, 
people like to communicate with text. People yeah. like to communicate that way. And, 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 you know, I, I know that there's times I try to call people and I can't get them and I'll immediately get a text message back. And then, and I know you and even you and I will be texting and I'll go to call you and then you won't answer the call and you'll be like, what's up? And I'm like, I forget. Yeah. You know, because texting's the method that we use that. So when I was a pastor. I counseled someone for 45 minutes over text, over text, over like a big deal. Like they were probably <laughs> in their house, like crying. And I was like, do you want me to come over and we can talk? About no. Okay. Let me call you. No. And so we just text. Exactly. And, and, and okay. So, and, and I am okay. So before I say this, I feel like I have to preface this to be fair to everyone out there, but I am so thankful. And I know you are too for everything every bit of groundwork that past generations have laid for us. For sure. You know me know, to know that I have a special place in our heart, in my heart, and my family has a special place in our heart for our elders and the people that have invested their lives into promoting the gospel to the whole world. Right. I mean, it's very important to me. But it's also hard for me to see or hear about people being so slow to adapt these methods like social media because yeah. I, I'm like the world is changing the generations are changing we have to embrace this yeah that's what I think is so that's why I like that that quote from Ed Stetzer about cul-de-sac on the on the Great Commission Highway so if you uh, if you're just a place that you want people to stop and come to your church and you just want them to just be a part of your church and only live in that one little moment and your community and it not be anything more than that, then yeah, build your church like a cul-de-sac. But if you want to be on the main highway and you want people to see it and to be a part of it and to join that in like this continual movement, then you've got to use the methods that are available to you, the options that are open to you. And what's so funny is a lot of people freak out about social media and about how to use it well and, and what to do. You've got someone in your church, no matter what kind of church you have, you've got someone in your church that is on social media all the time. And if you just gave them a few guidelines, they can make posts and it doesn't matter even if they're good posts, they can be terrible posts. <laughs> We've uh, seen them. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like I've seen, like, like I said, all denominations have someone that does this, that they post crazy stuff. You look at, it's like, yeah, it's not even doctrinally sound. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So there's this, there's this random church and I'm going to make up a name cause I don't remember what it's called, but I feel like it was called like Jasper first Baptist or something. And it's like this church in some podunk town in Alabama that has maybe 50 people, but every day, all day, they probably have, I'm just guessing it's some old lady, but somebody is posting these motivational posts with like a nice little background, floweries and words on it, and they share it. And those video, those posts get shared by thousands and thousands of people. Right. And it's just because they let this lady do it. She's probably copying it from Google. It's not even those, like most of them aren't even that good, but because they get shared so much, mm. more people are starting to use them and their church page is blowing up. I don't know that they're gaining people, but they might be. Yeah. And so when I look at social media, I look at situations and examples of where ways that I know people are growing and, and blowing up. And I think that's important. And so I try to copy and emulate that. Right. Um, how can I be most effective with my time, with my energies, with my efforts? Right. And, and, you know, I mean, I still get people that knock on my door. And I, I think the last person that came, I was actually painting at my house. And I, I opened the door. I've got a paintbrush in one hand. You know, I've got a cap turned around like you because I was trying to be cool, I guess. I don't know. But, but I, I opened the door and they're like, hey, you know, we want to talk to you about the Bible and things. And, and I was like, 
I've got a paintbrush in my hand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and so even if I would have been prepared to hear whatever they were going to talk to me about, that was not the time. My home is not where I want to talk to you unless I've invited yeah, you yeah. and called you. And I, I, I don't know. I would feel that a lot of people might feel that way. Oh, for sure. Like I'm a millennial. I look at that and it's like, if, if I have car insurance and you don't have a way for me to chat online, I get so upset. I do not want to call you. I don't want to have to call anybody. I hate calling people. Why would I do that? I found out you can like direct message T-Mobile and ask them to make changes on your account and they will do it. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Not a sponsor, but you can, you can just DM them on Twitter and they'll make changes they'll to make your account. Changes. Like that's like the stuff that I want. So if, so what, how can churches offer the same thing? How, what can churches do? Mm. That's, that was what I tried to figure out. And so sometimes it was a really over well-produced video. When we were first launching, I did one that was like five reasons Plano needs another church or three reasons God's still moving you know, in the U S or something like that. Right now, no, the, the Plano, the five reasons why Plano needs another church. I, I remember that one Yeah, because that it one blew in, up. Yeah. And that one impacted me because yeah. when we think about like the DFW Metroplex area, I mean, there's churches everywhere. Yeah. So it would be really easy for somebody to say like, why do they need another church? But when you start to break down the numbers of people, there's not enough churches for people to all go to a church not at all i mean and and i remember when like you're breaking it down and i'm, I'm looking at it going maybe we should start a church <laughs> yeah you know i mean yeah and and that's another thing too and that's not a topic for this discussion but i think about that too where i think like traditionally people you know years and generations ago would mark off cities and they're like this is my city don't plan another church yeah. and I'm, I'm sitting there looking at it going cities need multiple churches yeah you know plano should have you know 15 30 churches, Absolutely. maybe, you know, whatever it's going to take, because again, it's about expanding that kingdom. And I know that we're, we're getting close to our time. Um, but I do have one question and I know you're not going to have time to totally elaborate on this. Uh, but, but I'm curious because, because your perspective on a lot of things, and I've told you this before, so I'm not just saying it cause we're on a podcast, but, but it, it intrigues me because, because I like the way you look at things. But when, when you think about the past 10 years of where the church in general, when I say the church, I say that broadly, right? Sure. Universally, the church, um, the changes, where it's been, what we've seen. What do you think the church is going to look like in 10 years? The church that our kids are going to go to. Man, that's such an interesting, interesting question. Um, so first, before I, so before I really dive into it, I'll say what I think happened to the church of the last 10 years and then kind of get there. But the internet is what changed the church for, for, from my generation of growing up, you know, um, when I, let's see, 10 years ago, I was 20. So 20 years old, the internet was still very, very, it was still young, honestly. Like it was sure it had been around since like the late eighties technically, but like right. in reality, it had only been really going since, you know, the nineties and, uh, social media is hit like 2004, 2005 is when all of that started happening. Facebook, the Instagram, the Twitters, all of those, well, MySpace before that. And, and I remember when YouTube, I was like, what in the world? Yeah. Is what this? is this thing? Right? right. So all of those things started to blow up. And as they did, the churches were trying to figure out like what to do with it. And now you've got churches that have more people that watch online than they do that come to their services. Wow. Like there are churches that are now completely changing 
how they do church. Elevation comes so, to yeah, mind when you say that. Elevation yeah. Church is one that they have like e-groups now. So they did they did small groups and then they were like, eh, let's do e-groups. And then people started doing watch parties where they were like bringing a TV and they were like standing like it was church and they're worshiping in their homes. And so they have these huge watch parties that are happening. And like some of these are churches of like 120 people yeah. are just showing it, up. It, it's so they're, they're putting money in and renting a building just to watch on a big screen Elevation Church happening. Uh, another one that comes to mind is a really weird one, but Judah Smith, his church is called Church Home, and they decided that instead of launching any more campuses, they were just going to launch an online campus, and so they just have like this weird version of their church that's only online, and you communicate with the church staff online, and they become your pastors and all of this, and um, honestly, I think that that the way that, that technology is moving, and, and we have like, it's so silly to say this out loud, but with VR and the way online's, you know, live feeds are working. Like I really don't know what church is going to look like in 10 years. I think it's going to look like a crazier version of what it is now. Wow. I think we'll still I, have no, buildings thought about VR. Like, oh, it's happening. There's it. already wow. one. I know of at least like two churches that are doing it. Like they legit are filming and you can download an app if you have VR and watch it wow. with your little VR goggles, which is just funny, just way too funny. But, um, it's like, you know, all those futuristic movies you think of where you're like sitting in a glass or a room of just screens, like experiencing things instead of just going there, experiencing right, it. Right. it. I don't think it's really what's going to happen, but like, it's also maybe not that far off. So I still think that churches will exist. They'll have to, uh, church buildings will have to exist because people want to experience God. They want to truly experience it. And can it happen through, through a phone and hearing a preacher? Absolutely. It can. Right. Um, but when you are there, in a moment and you're hearing that speaker speak. Imagine like think if you were alive to hear, um, I don't know, JFK give a speech or, or, um, Abraham Lincoln to give his monumental speech. Mm. You know, if you were there for that, that feeling so much different than just listening to a recording, right? You can feel the passion in it. You can see that in their face, but it's so much different than if you're actually there. And so that's what you miss out on when you're doing that online version. But I do think that it'll continue to grow into something that we have no idea that we can't even really imagine right now. I think we will see like just pockets of online churches. Uh, There's, you you know, uh, you just reminded me of something uh, though in regards to, to seeing that device. I remember I was overseas one time. And I was I was talking to someone that had come across a podcast, and Rob McKee, a preacher in South Texas, was preaching that podcast. And this gentleman began to explain to me how it had impacted his life and how him and his wife came to salvation through that experience. Yeah. And so I think that there is such a power in that technology. Sure. Um, that that again, it's hard for us to wrap our mind around when we are so used to this traditional method only of church that you've got to come to the building, you've got to meet this group of people, but to to see those experiences take place blows my mind. I can't think of anything else. Well, think about this. 30 years ago, there's this guy and he's sitting in his house and he like has this overwhelming feeling of loneliness and he's never really read the Bible. And he went to church as a kid and he pulls out a Bible and he starts reading and he's just crying about this, this crying and, 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 can't get over the fact there's this guy named Jesus who died on a cross to, to forgive him of all of his sins, despite how terrible of a person he knows that he's been. 
And he's like, how can I learn more about this? And so he thinks, well, there must be church. And so he tries to go find a church in his area and he's got to look in a phone book to go find a church. He's not sure which one is the bigger one and which one's the small one and what they all believe. And so he just has to start showing up to churches to find the one that fits what he thinks he needs at that moment. And now you can just go on the internet and find a million different churches and listen to their podcast of their sermon preaching. And you can find that someone who's seeking after God can truly just go find exactly what you need. You can just go on Google right now and say, how do I, how can I be saved and go to heaven? And you're going to find millions of results of websites that can help you do that. And that is kind of like the, the, the amazing part of the advantage of the internet but then the disadvantage of is the dis the disingenuous like approach that we then start to have to to an experience and in a relationship with That's God. That's the key of the local church too. I, yeah. I think because because the church is all about community. Yeah. And, and we can't lose that. And I think that that that's that is crucial, crucial, crucial. So so maybe technology becomes a thing that can help uh, initially get someone involved but then they get that local connection and then they grow from there. Yeah, for sure. Like I don't I don't think that we can ever get rid of the local church. I love technology. Like I want to buy a Tesla. I want to like watch all my movies on VR. I want like it sounds legit. Let's do I'm for all the things technology until you start talking about church because it's it's more about a relationship. And just same thing with friendship. Like mm. same thing with relationships you have with people. When technology put us in a place where all of a sudden we have way more friends over social media and yet we're still just as lonely, if not lonelier than the wow. generations before us, yeah. because we don't actually talk to most of these people. We, we see the likes on our Facebook post and we don't actually have conversations. Um, we don't get together and hang out and, and have those, those moments. And I can tell you what was crazy when we started our church that I, while I, was so happy and excited to be doing what we were doing. My wife and I were so lonely from a ministry perspective mm. because people just felt like we were doing our own thing. And so they would reach out at times, but it's very rare that we like got together with other couples that were in ministry that were able to help us like rejuvenate kind of, and just like vent on stuff that was going on and talk things out. And mm. it actually became this natural occurrence where we started coming to you guys house like every few weeks because we needed that. And you guys wanted, you know, you guys wanted the same, you keep the relationship going and just having conversations. But a majority of people didn't do that because they just think you're too busy. They just think of that and they think, Oh, I saw your stuff on social media. I liked your stuff on social media. I commented on your stuff on social media, but man, you didn't call me. Yeah. We didn't, you we didn't go to lunch that that's the, that's what really is, is relationships and building a relationship. It's the same thing. You can't, just have church where a preacher makes a post and you like it and you think that that is your good deed for the week or giving $5 or $10 to help an orphan or going to a concert and giving $45 to sponsor a kid a month or, or helping a missionary. Those are all good things. And thank God the internet helps us to be able to connect and do things like that. Mm. But that is not your relationship with God, right? right. Your relationship with God has to be real, built through the word, built through prayer. And then you have to have a relationship with a local church. You've got to, you've got to be able to walk into a local place, have a pastor who talks to you and you, and, and be able to connect with other people, other Christians, other people who are walking the same path as you. And if you don't, I think that it is, it will be incredibly difficult to, to, to be saved, not to be saved, but to, to be, 
to stay living for God because you'll fall away from it because of the loneliness. And not only that, but but really to become what God has called you to be too because when he calls you, I believe that he gives you purpose to do something. Sure. And so you need to get connected and you need to find what what God wants you to do to bring something unique to the body of Christ. And you know, it, like I you know, I tell everybody, you have something unique that I don't have. I have something unique you don't have. Right. And God brings us together so the body can be healthy and move forward. And that's what's wonderful when he right. calls us and brings us together. And, and you know, I love it. Well, I know that we've we've probably extended our time on this 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 episode, but I, I want to thank you again for taking the time to kind of walk us through that because I believe that there are young, especially I have a heart, as you know, I have a heart for young ministers. Yeah. Because I have a story too. And, and because of that, I, I just, my heart and my passion is to what can I do to help a young minister? Yeah. And so I know that there's somebody that can watch this. They can hear your experiences. They can grow from that. But not only that, but they can, they can pinpoint something to help their local church, to help their local pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I want to see people do is to, if you know, they can be in a church plant. They can be involved in a bigger church, but they need to connect with their pastor. Yeah. And they need to say, help me understand the vision of this church. Right. And then they need to be promoters of that vision. Yeah. Breathe that vision. And if they don't see it today, they need to ask God to help them. God, what has to happen in my heart, in my soul, in my right. mind to help me promote that vision because you've given that vision. And if I'm here and if you've connected me here with this purpose, I've got to be a part of it. Absolutely. So. And I'll say this, I, when I was young and, and waiting and planning for, for us to start a church, the biggest mistake I did is I didn't buy into my pastor's vision. I wow. wanted him to see what my vision was for a church. And because of that, we butted heads so much. And the difference now is that when I walked into the life church and he said, okay, you know the vision I have for this church. You know what it is that we're trying to do here. Using that same vision, let's bring in the methods that you had from Anthem Church and let's put those together and see how they work together. The key there is is if you will take the ideas that you have, the perspectives that you have, and go to your pastor and say, I get your vision. I know what you're trying to do in this church. I want that vision to be successful and I want to help it be successful with some ideas that I have to make it grow. If you'll come at it from that perspective, I think that your pastor, I think that a lot of cases, our pastors will, will hear that and go, you know what? I, they're, they're, we're, we're all aligned. We're all trying to do the same thing. Right. We're just trying to do it different ways. But once we all know that we're going towards the same vision, you get a lot better chance of being used in those areas and being able to truly flesh out some of your ideas that you haven't had the chance to before. Absolutely. Well, I, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. One more time, tell them about your podcast and we're going to end it there. Absolutely. So it's Clickbait Church, clickbaitchurch.com. Or you can find it on Apple Podcasts or Google or anywhere, Spotify, that you listen to podcasts. Uh, Brandon's going to be on one of these episodes coming up real soon, and I can't wait for you to hear more.